Hey, good evening. Welcome to our Acts Bible study. I just thank you so much for taking some time to be in God's Word with us. And I know God's Word always works. And I know when I even prepare and then when I get to hear your comments on the on the scriptures, it, it builds my faith. I learn new things. Yeah. And I know this is what I've always wanted for all of our members. So the online format is actually kind of cool because there's is. so many more it people is. that are just able to, at their at their leisure, at their convenience, uh, to tune in. So thanks for joining us. We're in Acts chapter 6. Uh, we're going to look at how when the responsibility of the ministry is shared, that mm. uh, the word is spread, the effects of our of our work together is multiplied over mm -hmm. it's, a, mm -hmm. it's addition by multiplication not just simple addition right okay so in Acts chapter 6 yep uh, no questions this week so I don't want to call anybody out by name but anybody wants to send in a question yeah feel week, free to send in those questions if you don't have any that's fine too you might get off a little bit earlier today we'll see now you said that last time and it was like that's true. 40 minutes yeah. last week. Well, if we stop talking and jump into this, we'll get it going here. <laughs> okay, fine. So Acts chapter 6, verse 1. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they uh, said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanot, and Timon, and Paraminus, and Nicholas. Oh, there's a good, easy name. Mm -hmm. uh, and Nicholas was a proselyte from Antioch, in other words, the one who had converted to Judaism, a Gentile. Uh, these they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests, these are not Catholic priests, these are uh, the Pharisees, scribes, the priests, the, the Jewish leaders, but many of them even mm -hmm. became obedient to the faith. So maybe just for a little bit of background on this, you know, obviously we finished with chapter five, last week, there's actually been a, a, a little bit of time that's passed now. Sometimes I think when we're reading down in scripture, we're like, oh yeah, chapter three, chapter four is the next day or later on. There's actually been some time that has passed in the church's history now from chapter five to chapter six. Uh, remember when this letter, if you will, uh, or this work is, is put together, you know, it's done so without the, the, the verses that we have and the chapters yeah. that we have today uh, that were added. And so uh, be careful, maybe, just as a, as a hint, is when you're reading Scripture to note that. And it is important, you know, we see that in that last chapter, chapter 5, it kind of concludes talking about the church growing. And then because of that growth is what we jump into today then. Right. And that time 
uh, lapsed probably months or years. It's not decades. No, no, definitely not decades. Uh, if I were to guess, yeah, I think you're probably right. Maybe, I don't know, maybe you say around a year or something like that. Who knows? But give or take, we just know it's been some time span, not a day or a week that, is, that has gone by. For sure. Um, one of the uh, noteworthy things uh, for me uh, reading this is uh, just those names that I had fun pronouncing. Oh, yeah. And really the key to anybody at home. Remember the behind the scenes? Sure. Website? Oh, yeah, yeah. So here, here's just a little tip for anybody who has to read the scriptures at church, you know, the lector. Um, just say the word really fast and don't stop. Yeah. Just yeah. keep reading. And nobody knows. Say that's with, the right Say way with confidence not. and they'll be like, oh, wow, that guy, wow. he nailed it. Yeah. 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 Well, she knows how to say those tough words. I wouldn't know what to do. <laughs> right? Okay. So that's what I just did. But listen to these names. So Stephen, Philip, Procurius, Nicanor, Timon, Paraminas, and Nicholas. These are all Greek names. Mm -hmm. Now, what was the issue at hand, uh, the, the flashpoint that caused this? Kind of change in their church. Well, it was the Hellenistic Jews, the Greek Jews, the Greek-speaking Jews, uh, whose widows were being neglected uh, from the church's distribution. We talked about how Barnabas sold everything. Many yep. of them were selling their property to, to give to the church to distribute to his, as any who had need. Uh, but uh, the Greek Jews were kind of felt like outsiders, second-class Christians, kind of. Yeah. And so, obviously, these men, it says they were chosen, you know, find good men of good repute, full of the spirit and faith. Full of spirit, yep. That was primary, but do you think it kind of made some good practical sense to choose some Greek mm. people, or at least people who were familiar with the Greek culture, mm -hmm. uh, had Greek names to go and minister and kind of bridge this gap? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, it's maybe a good point for us to even just think about today. Uh, you know, barriers that have literally always been around. There's always been these barriers. I mean, look how this chapter opens up. There's this complaining that is occurring between these individuals, and these are, you know, within the church of people that are very similar, these Jews, but just have these different backgrounds, if you, if you will. And already at this point in the church's history, we see them coming up against each other over a pretty simple issue when it gets down to it. But a lot of times it is those small things that grow and turn into uh, to so, so much more of a problem, which is where I like where this goes to, is because the disciples stand up and they don't they don't encourage that to continue. They don't just stop and say, "Hey guys, just 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 stop. We're going to completely take this away. We're not going to deal with this at all." But they actually say, "Well, what's the solution? Let's sit down and find a solution." And they they come up with that. I also like kind of the crux of the problem too, when it talks about. In verse 2, you know, the disciples say, you know, it wouldn't be right for us to neglect the ministry of the Word of God and just wait at the tables. And they're not saying that uh, the acts of service that are going on around them are bad in any way or that it's underneath them. They're saying, you know, what is most important? God has given us gifts to be able to declare His Word to others, to be able to share the Gospel. And that's what He has, literally, Jesus has called us to be able to do. We shouldn't take those talents and cast them aside or put them as a, a worse priority to be able to wait these tables, to be able to serve these people. But instead of saying, well, this service isn't important, well, again, they find a solution. They put something in place to be able to make sure these needs are actually taken care of so that they can continue on doing the work that they've been called to do then, too. 
Yeah, that's just the delegation of all the different roles. Uh, it's so important. And really, I mean, like I said, a few months have passed, a year maybe or so, and the church is just growing, growing, growing. And this is one of the little symptoms of growing pain. That's exactly what I would have said, yeah. And, you know, how do they deal with this? How do they continue to do kind of the spiritual care and the gospel proclamation uh, with kind of the social concerns, caring for mm -hmm. the widows and orphans, uh, like a church family is supposed to do. Uh, so, yeah, it, and what happens, right? As soon as they delegate these other duties, these things that need to be done, uh, what happens to the church then? Yeah, another, it's, it's immediate there. It says right in there in verse seven, uh, that, that it says it increased rapidly. I like that. Not that it just increased, but it increased rapidly. And a large number of even priests, as you mentioned, become obedient to the faith. You know, even these people that maybe they wouldn't have expected start getting on board and seeing the, this true gospel message. All because you see here the body of Christ really functioning together as it was made to function. You know, they choose these other individuals that are excited about these responsibilities that are so important within the church, and they all start doing something. Nobody's being stagnant, nobody's put in the wrong place, but it's this body that is that is morphing and growing together. So a great example for us, you know, as Christians within our congregation and also within just the, the greater world as, as the ultimate church under God to remember, you know, where has God placed me? What are the talents God's, his, God has given to me? And what does that look like when I put those uh, to use? I would be more candid in, a, in a, this Bible study setting than I probably would be in a, a sermon or something. Sure. But, you know, it's one of the big, uh, one of the biggest, really, call it an issue, uh, concerns and, that, that I deal with as a pastor is that I see this dichotomy, it's just this paradox, really. This is, we have these amazing volunteers here at Desert Foothills mm -hmm. who just pour their heart and soul and time and money and everything they have into the God's church, into his kingdom, the ministry, the mission. Um, but it feels like it's only maybe 20%. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Of all the members and that's yeah, that's everywhere, right? Yep. It's not just it's not just us. It truly is. If you look around, it's it's everywhere within the church. And so, how do we get beyond that curve? I mean, if that's truly where we're at, twenty percent. You know, what does shooting for a goal of g fifty percent look like? Uh, imagine how that would change. Again, not this place here or change our body, even though it would for the better. But uh, the lasting effects of the gospel upon the world. You know, what would that do? And so for all of us to ask, you know, what am I doing? You know, how much effort am I putting forth? How am I responding uh, to God and, and his word? Uh, the early church does it, and we are still a part of that today. And so how can we do that? Yeah, and you just see what happens when uh, everyone steps up and does even just a little bit, a little bit of their own gifts, whatever their interests are. Maybe it's not singing in the choir. Maybe it's shaking hands. Maybe... It's definitely not shaking hands. I'm an introvert. Yeah, I yeah. just want to sing in the choir and be, yeah. or be an usher or whatever. There's just so many ways to serve. And everybody stepped up, right? But more hands make lighter work for everybody. See how, how God that's designed how us. Is. That's how God, God designed us, yeah. So what can you do? That would be the that's, question to ask at the end of this. It's a good challenge. And you know what? Just maybe even, even practically, again, another behind-the-scenes element to be able to add in. You know, a 
I don't know, a few weeks ago now, maybe four weeks ago now, uh, Pastor Mark came into my office and he had been working so hard on just our new setup of like putting time and effort and energy into uh, making and creating this new online element that we have. And as many of you probably have guessed, there's a lot of effort that goes into that. And so now, you know, uh, Pastor Mark's taken his efforts of, you know, I'm writing the message, I'm still following up with people, I'm planning the service, you name it, you go down the line, and all of a sudden, well, now I'm a video editor, now I'm a recorder, uh, now I'm, it, it's all these other tasks. And he, he said to me, you know, we gotta find a solution to this. We gotta figure something out. And so we started looking around and saying, you know, who can help us out with a couple of these little things? How does that work of being able to have some of this placed upon somebody else? Because I think these same words just about were uttered, you know, it's, it's not good for uh, somebody in Pastor Mark's spot to be putting all his efforts to that. Again, not that that's below either of us in any way. Uh, I'll tell you, I'll be the first one at any of our events to be washing dishes in the kitchen and make sure that we're taking care of or cleaning things up or, or prepping stuff. But what has God called us to do? And so every time you offer uh, 10 minutes of your time to our congregation to do something like that, it does free up 10 minutes of somebody else's time to possibly spread the gospel in a very different way and open up the life of somebody else. So just another behind the scenes thing. Again, anything we ever say to you guys is something we have probably already said to our, ourselves as Pastor Mark kicked off the, the message here uh, at the beginning. For sure. Yeah, no, so for all of the kind of ceilings and boundaries that we have for growing this congregation, um, this is an easy one, and it's mm -hmm. a free one to, to correct or to expand, yeah, yeah. to expand. Uh, the more, yeah, the more people we have involved, uh, the more people will get involved and connected. All right. All right, one more section here. Chapter 7 is a little bit shorter. Uh, this one's entitled Stephen Seized. It says, uh, Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, did great wonders and miraculous signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the province of Sicilia and Asia. These men began to argue with Stephen, but they could not stand up against his wisdom or the spirit by whom he spoke. Then they secretly persuaded some men to say, We have heard Stephen speak words of blasphemy against Moses and against God. So they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law. They seized Stephen and brought him before the Sanhedrin. They produced false witnesses who testified, This fellow never stopped speaking against this holy place and against the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs Moses handed down to us. All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. That, uh, that's, what, that's what people say about me often. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, you should start signing all your cards like that even. <laughs> Pastor Mark, you know, the guy with the face like an angel. angel. Yeah. 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 No. <laughs> I do kind of wonder what that means. Was he young? Did he have a glow? That's so him? funny. Out of everything I can share with you or explain <laughs> to you, I have no idea what that means. Uh, I didn't take time to really look at any commenters. No, I was no. just going to throw it to you and be like, what, is that, what does that even mean? Yeah. There's something special there, though, right? Like that all these people are noting this? Yeah. To, well, they kept saying he's full of the Spirit. He's full of the Spirit. Mm. Um, I, and, and think about this, right? He kind of volunteered to serve food 
to yeah. widows. Yeah. Like just, I don't know. It's kind of this background kind of role. That's what he That's what he stepped up to. Yeah. But God had something just a lot bigger plans for him. Yeah. Interesting there. They say that uh, he is uh, one of the members of the of the freedmen. Uh, you know that are mentioned there. So somebody that used to be a slave, right? I guess is what's being described there. Just kind of put a little bit of uh, background on him, and then uh, from there, and it gets it's pretty. I don't know. It gets pretty deep, pretty quick there for him. All of a sudden, there's this secret plan that is devised against Stephen to be able to go after him. And as you read through this, I don't know about you, but and I just see the story of of Christ that's in there something so similar in a lot of ways that happened to Jesus himself. And so maybe a couple things to remember there. Number one, this is what all these individuals were up against. We had talked about uh, the guys getting persecuted just a couple chapters uh, ago, and even this last chapter, and they were really up against the face of being jailed, uh, of being uh, put to death, of being uh, tortured, you name it, being imprisoned. And all these things they keep doing because, you know, they really have that love for their Savior, you know, that, that their Savior had that love for them. Uh, I mean, it really is just a, almost mirrors uh, the persecution of, of Christ and how it goes down for him, too. Yeah, I think it's just a, another reminder to me, you know, over and over again, how these men and women in the first century had absolutely no motivation to make up a story about Jesus or to make up a religion, to uh, replace Judaism or something like that. Uh, this was at great personal cost, uh, day in and day out. And you think, uh, <clears throat> well, even still today, uh, if a person of, uh, in a Jewish family converts to Christianity, they have a funeral for them. Mm -hmm. Like, they're completely cut off from their family. Uh, and you think about when you live in Jerusalem, <laughs> that are surrounded by Jews, and, you know, uh, you're completely cut off from your family and society. You know, one of the reasons Barnabas and so many of the early Christians gave everything they had to the church to distribute to people who had need is because they didn't have any people trading with them mm -hmm. or wanting to do buy from them. Um, they were completely cut off from this economic system. It was a very drastic situation. And then you got their leaders, you know, who are being hauled into court and falsely accused and imprisoned and flogged. And next week we'll see what happens to Stephen. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, again, uh, they, they preach Jesus Christ crucified and risen. A, a tremendous personal cost. Just this week, actually, uh, my friend Pat called me and she was asking me some questions about uh, Matthew chapter 26. And as I just kind of flipped through that real quick and, and look back here, I mean, this is the story of Christ uh, toward his latter moments uh, in life as the chapters start to wane down in that gospel. And here's the text as Jesus goes before the Sanhedrin from chapter 26, uh, just verses uh, 59 and 60 here. It says the chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false evidence against Jesus so they could put him to death. But they did not find any, though many false witnesses came forward. 
So they do the exact same thing to, to Christ as they're doing to Stephen here, trying to find all these different false witnesses to be able to come forward, because they truly have nothing on them, uh, except that they're basically preaching the, the gospel. But it's interesting that he lays out kind of this, you know, this same path that Jesus uh, lays out, and I mentioned that because, you know, that's a, a truth for us as Christians, too, that we should really think about and know. I mean, think about the, the price that Christ paid for us and the things that he does and the extent that he goes to. And we ourselves are these, these Christians, these followers of Christ. And so how far are we really willing to be able to go with that? Uh, it, is, it is easy to be a comfortable Christian. And I'm not saying all of us uh, will end up giving our lives physically like this one day. Uh, for the gospel for our Savior, but there are a lot of other things that we can give that we probably hold back from sometimes, or things that we just don't do to serve as members of the church because it, it seems like an inconvenience, or we have fed ourselves the lie of I don't have time, the effort, the energy, I'll do it later. Uh, and that's an easy trap to fall into. So think about that, uh, that calling that all of us had today. You know, what are the ways that I can step up? If every one of our members emailed Pastor Mark and I so that this week and said, hey, I want to give our church 10 minutes this week, uh, I would not know what to do with everybody's 10 minutes because there are so many of us and we'd be able to do so many things. But wouldn't that be great if that's the problem that we had? Too many people donating too much time and, and energy to the, to the ministry. So again, that challenge, how can I step up? And not just for my church here physically on this campus, but in my neighborhood. What does 10 minutes look like dedicating you know, to a neighbor? My neighbor came over and trimmed some hedges just on my, on my property the other day, just because they shared his property and came over and just, hey, I'm gonna knock these out real quick. You okay with that? And, it's like, yeah, I'm okay with that. And then he said, hey, it's easier for me to pick up all this trash with my mower. Can I just mow this side of your yard real quick? And I was like, yeah, you can, <laughs> you can go ahead and do that. But that felt great, you know, having somebody offer me this great service, you know, and I still think about that uh, right now. And so what are those things that we can do the same thing in a Christ-like manner for people around us? You know, what are things that we can offer to them that literally take, you know, 10 minutes of our day? That's great. I don't know, other than that, this is a pretty, pretty brief chapter, 15 verses, face like an angel, and all the top things. Anything else to be able to add? That's good. All right. Thanks again for joining us for, for this week. Uh, come back, join us next week, maybe even read ahead uh, next week. Check out chapter 7. It's a little bit longer, uh, longer. so, so uh, you get your money's worth next yeah. week. Maybe well, if you read it, we can break it down a little differently next week. Well, the week. extra time we're giving them off. This week, we're going to take that next week. All right. With that, let's pray for the day. Uh, dear Lord, Heavenly Father, again, uh, we thank you for meeting with us during this time as we explore your word. Uh, please continue, Lord, both to uh, challenge and also encourage us in our faith uh, that the Spirit will live uh, just alive and well within us to boldly go out and share of your great gospel. Allow us to know, Lord, that uh, there is not one element around us uh, that is beneath us, and that there are a lot of things within our world that we can address as Christians to be able to uh, push the gospel message and just to be able to serve our fellow men as you call us to be able to do. 
Uh, so again, Lord, be with us as this uh, message marinates within each of us, uh, that we will be challenged to be able to go out and continue to serve you. All of these things uh, we lift in Jesus' precious and uh, holy name. Amen. Amen.